$267,000. I'll shuttle for one dance with Domino. Any play any other tune? Something we're making for the Americans. It's called a ghetto blaster. May I cut in? It's a charming tune. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the 14th episode of Bond Music Six of the Best, our ongoing series discussing the Bond movie soundtracks. And hey, I want to thank everybody out there that made On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast the number five James Bond podcast in the world, as rated by the good folks at Feedspot.com. What an honor. Thank you, Feedspot.com. You know who else needs to weigh in on that honor is my co-host. I want to welcome back to the show, Mr. Alan J. Porter. Welcome back, Alan. Thank you. I'm not your best friend in life anymore, I know. I figure it's implied at this point. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just go sit in the corner and sulk. Oh, all right. Oh. I'll play you a music cue. There you go. Okay. All right. Thank you. I feel better now. <laughs> yeah, the James Bond podcast ranking was a delightful surprise. So thanks to uh, everybody that listens and retweets and messages us and However, it was that they put the stats together for the rankings, but thanks to everybody and thanks to the folks at feedspot.com, that was a lovely surprise to see the Honor Majesty's Secret Podcast Network up at number five with some very rarefied company in the worlds of James Bond podcasting. So uh, much appreciated. Yes, we were in the pool with some shows I definitely listen to and appreciate. So that was cool. I'm Jared Albrecht, by the way. Some call me Death Probe, and now I'll give you the rundown on the show, Six of the Best. If this is your first episode, welcome. This is how it's going to work. We're going to introduce a discussion of the movie theme song, and of course, this time we're going to be doing a little Madonna action. And I have the lead on the show, which means I'll run us through that. I'll run us through the thoughts on the overall score, and then I will pick three of my favorite tracks from this James Bond soundtrack, and then Alan will pick from the remaining his three tracks. And then we'll have a bonus track at the end. So you're going to get a whole lot of music and a whole lot of fun. Today's episode is going to be a little special because I have a two-disc CD that we can't figure out where it came from. <laughs> dodgy copy, dodgy I, copy. I, I guess I have. So it's, it looks so legit. My entire life, I just thought I had the two-disc CD collection. But like the tracks, although they're all the same music and the same length and all that, they have different names. But they're all still in English and nothing's misspelled. So I don't know. Get ready for the most confusing episode of Six of the Best. <laughs> well, that just goes along with the movie, so that's fine. <laughs> You're right. It's a whole theme. <laughs> you have the Lee Tamahori special. <laughs> that's right. I'm going to have to do more research on this one. This whole time, I just thought, oh, I've got the two-disc version, you know, but all the tracks have different names. It's quite odd. Maybe somebody out there listening can help and identify what I've got going on here. But anyway, like I said, this month we're hopping into our Aston Martin Vanquish and driving to the tunes of David Arnold's Die Another Day score. But Alan, where did we park? 
Just look for the tracks in the snow. Oh, okay. There's <laughs> the whole problem with having invisible cars. Can't remember where we parked. <laughs> okay, let's get into some of the overall nuts and bolts of the soundtrack itself. And as always, I'm going to be referencing John Burlingame's amazing book, The Music of James Bond. It is the primary resource that we use on the show. We highly recommend folks to go pick it up. It is a wonderful book with so much information. That is, like I said, our primary source. Let's talk a bit about the soundtrack here. We'll talk about the title song in just a minute, but the decision-making around the title song is important to the rest of the soundtrack because they decided to use Madonna for the title song way early in advance in the production process. That actually helped David Arnold because he was able to focus strictly on the score. If you remember our Tomorrow Never Dies episode, Arnold and Don Black, I believe, were working on Surrender, and he even put you know, the sounds of surrender in the score throughout the movie, and then ends up not being the title song. In this case, no problem. They already know Madonna's got the title song. They're running with it. David Arnold's strictly focusing on score. And that's why you don't hear any Die Another Day instrumentalized or anything like that throughout the movie score. However, David Arnold and Don Black did early in the going start a theme song called I Will Return, but once they heard the Madonna news, they quickly abandoned it. I've often wondered if there's maybe a... A snippet or a copy out there to hear you ever hear anything about that alan or is that no still i'd missing? love to know if there was like a little demo tape or something that david arnold put together or it'd been reused somewhere else it would be interesting to hear it i know that you guys don't think i do research but i did take a dive into the internet which basically means i looked it up on youtube and they didn't have it and that was it so <laughs> there was my research <laughs> it probably never got out of a studio or or uh, anything like that But again, because David Arnold had all the time in the world to work on the soundtrack, this set a record at the time. Wrong movie. What did I say? All the time in the world. Wrong movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I went way back in the 69. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, this soundtrack actually set a record at the time for over 105 minutes of music. So Arnold was really focused. I could see where that would happen if you free the composer up from working on the title song and get to focus strictly on the music. And Arnold wanted to blend the sounds of Tomorrow Never Dies and The World Is Not Enough. So he wanted the tiger and the bucket of water. That joke only makes sense if you listen to the last episode. <laughs> and I think he did a good job on that. We'll get Alan's thoughts on that in just a second. When it came to his Latin rhythms, which I suspect we'll be hearing some here on the show today, Arnold learned that experimental was not the way to go, because he does a lot of experimental music in this track. He said, quote, you can't be too on the nail with a Bond movie. And so they referenced a lot of the Buena Vista Social Club to get that Latin flavor when Bond goes to Cuba. And he didn't get so experimental, and he went actually more towards that local sound. And I think Alan and I both really appreciated it. This was the most demanding score Per David Arnold, he said going scene by scene with Tom Ahari was challenging and difficult, but rewarding. So he did say he had to put in like the most amount of time with this as they worked it scene by scene. And once again, the score does not work in the Madonna theme at all. In fact, the score was two thirds finished before Arnold ever actually heard the Madonna song. So those are your sort of nuts and bolts, tidbits and interesting trivia. Now, I'm much more interested to find out what Alan thinks of this soundtrack overall. Well, actually, first off, a big shout out to Bruce Kanin. I hope I pronounced your last name right on Twitter, who actually understood your Tiger and Bucket of Water reference in the last <laughs> show. So, Thanks, Bruce. <laughs> kudos to Bruce for that one, because uh, it threw me. Um, 
It talks a bit before, I think, about how each of the Arnold scores got gradually more and more complex. And as you said, this one is sort of mashing together the, the two ones. And I think it is, again, to use a very technical term, full of a lot of twiddly bits. Um, <laughs> been to music school, I see. <laughs> yeah, you can tell, can't you? Yeah, I think it is. But as you said, there's also other areas that are not quite so experimental that I actually think are really good throwbacks to Barry's approach as well, which we've talked about before that David Arnold seems to have this ability to meld a sort of traditional Barry approach and be leading edge as well without it being too disastrous, unlike other leading edge scores that we've had in the past. So, mm. Um, mm. yeah, I think he does a really good job. We'll talk about the theme song in a minute, I'm sure. But, uh, <laughs> sure, I can take us there. <laughs> <laughs> I have more notes about that than I do about the whole score overall. (laughs) Okay, here are some of the more interesting notes I found about the title song and its production. Due to the commercial failings of The World Is Not Enough by Garbage, which we talked about on the last episode, even though we both liked the song, it just commercially didn't do very well, MGM's music department assigned new leadership to the Bond franchise. A lady named Anita Camerata was named, and she immediately targeted Madonna for the song. Madonna had had a recent hit for a spoof of a spy movie, which was Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me. She sang a song that was popular called Beautiful Stranger. Stranger. Some sources have Madonna being paid upwards of $1 million, while we're doing Austin Powers references, by MGM for her song and her cameo in the film. So Madonna had a pretty nice payday just to do it up front, not even counting what she made on the back end of having a popular song. The original demo track was very techno. The Bond team requested more of a bridge to traditional Bond once they got that very techno. They kind of wanted a little bit more of maybe the brass or the strings or something to bridge it to the traditional Bond song. So they did go back and forth to kind of find that balance a lot, as you'll see as, as my notes go on here. They brought in French composer Michel Colombier. He had worked on White Nights and Against All Odds, and he added some string arrangements to kind of help bridge the gap in the song. And you you hear those strings, but there's more to the story. He had just collaborated with Madonna and her Paris producer, Mariwa Amadzai, on a track called Don't Tell Me. Colombier did a 60-string arrangement to take that techno sound to the Bond-like sound, but the producer ended up chopping up those strings and remixing them anyway. So there's a whole lot of chopping, mixing, adding, going back and forth. I think without even me telling the audience that, they could have guessed that (laughs) from the final product. Many iterations were gone through. Michael Wilson and Lee Tamahori also had inputs before landing on the final version. So there is a lot of hands in this and a lot of bouncing back between teams until they finally land on the track that we hear on the CD. Daniel Kleinman, who does the opening titles, said the track made things more complicated for that title sequence because it's hard to match that song with torture sequences. I give a tip of the cap to him because I think he pulled it off pretty well as far as his title sequences go, but that's my personal opinion. I'm sure we'll get Alan's here in a second. Just a couple more quick hitters. The song came with very mixed reviews. It was nominated for Golden Globes and Grammys, but also for Razzies. Oh, by the way, Madonna also won a Razzie for Best Supporting Actress in uh, this film. (laughs) Her character variety won her the Razzie for that one. The song itself made it to number eight on the U.S. charts, so it did pretty well here. Number three in the U.K. It was the most successful song since A View to a Kill, and it hit number one on the club play charts. So there's a lot of ups and downs and back and forths and 
I've said a lot of words. Alan, what do you got? I just want to go back on the club play thing. I mean, I've heard this, and we'll talk about it as a bomb theme in a minute, but I know a lot of people who really love this song who have nothing to do with Bond, no interest in Bond, probably don't even know it's a Bond theme. It was a huge hit in the clubs. A couple of friends who are DJs played it a lot. I've talked to them about it, and they really like it as a club dance mix. It leaves me conflicted. Uh, maybe we can play it, and then I'll talk a bit more about why it leaves me conflicted after we, we hear it. I'm going to agree with you a lot on that. I also feel conflicted about it. So, yes, let's play it, and we'll chat about it a bit more on the other side. So here we go with Madonna's Die Another Day.
the thing about this song is over the years when I've heard it again away from the Bond environment, I just hear it play. I actually have grown to like, I was going to call it a melody, but it's not really a melody, that driving beat that goes with mm-hmm. it. And actually going out and looking for some of the cover versions, some of the cover versions I hear made me appreciate that even more. I like that driving beat. And going back to Bond, when I think about it, I think you talked about it, you know, Daniel Kleinman had a hard job matching it to the opening credits. And I think we talked about this when Van and I reviewed the movie. The actual beat and the thumps of the beat and the high notes match the visuals incredibly well I agree. of the tor- torture scene. I think it really makes the torture scene is, is some of those thumps and high beats and high notes really drives that torture scene. And then you add those lyrics on top of it and it completely <laughs> destroys it. It doesn't work as it, but um, the thing is that it destroys the song for me. I don't like it. And it, it makes me think, what, what the hell is she singing about just as a song? And I sort of hear it and think, well, you know, I like that underlying beat. Maybe it wasn't that bad as part of the movie. Maybe I'm misremembering it. And then the few times I have sat down and watched Die Another Day, which is not one of my most rewatched movies, the opening titles come on. I'm like, yeah, it was just as bad as I remembered it. Lyrics <laughs> <laughs> make no sense of their own and make even less sense as the Bond title and even less sense when you try and match them to what's happening on screen. So for me, whichever mix of Michel Colombier or the producers, whoever came up with the techno beat that drives it, that's great. But Madonna, God, you missed it by a mile. So why the hell did you even got paid a dollar rather than as opposed to a million dollars for this? I have no idea. I know Tom Sears on James Bond Radio is like the sort of running joke for years that she had a scribbled sheet of paper with some random lyrics in a drawer in her desk and just sort of pulled it out. And- <laughs> So, I, like I said, conflicted. I love that driving beat. I think it works with the opening credits really well. When I hear it away from the movie, I think, well, this is pretty good. Maybe it wasn't as bad as I remember. And then when I get back to the movie, it's like, yeah, it was just as bad as I remember it. I think ultimately I'll agree with you. I think there will be, I make you this promise, Alan, there will be another James Bond song that I like it as an instrumental, another theme song. But once you drop the lyrics on it, I'm like, no. Thank you. <laughs> we'll get there. I promise. I think I know what you mean. <laughs> I promise you. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I think if you're at the dance club and you're hanging out, you got a drink and you're hanging with your buddies, and this jam comes on, you're moving in your seat. You're like, yeah, that's that's a good jam, but like <laughs> you juxtapose it with the whole Bond thing. It doesn't really have anything to do with Bond. I almost kind of wish that since Arnold and Don Black were told well in advance so they're like okay kibosh the theme song let's just focus on the score i wish they could have let don black work with madonna because he's great with bond lyrics he knows bond lyrics really well i think that would have been a good combo yeah but i'm not sure she would have agreed to anybody working with her on yeah that's the problem when you get a big star you know they get a big hand in it so yeah you were saying about bopping around with it we were both bopping around yeah. Listening to it then. So don't tell know. the listeners. <laughs> yes, good job it's not video guys. Um, but uh, yeah, but we were both moving to it, and it is one of those ones that you find yourself moving to, but mm-hmm. you know, and then she starts singing and it just Yeah, <laughs> it's very of its time because those techno beats, that was very of the time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like I said in the facts, this is a song that got nominated for a Grammy and a Razzie. That's the summary of this song. On one hand, it's very, very good. On the other hand, it doesn't quite work. I guess I'm with Tom. I think she probably had a desk drawer, random lyrics. 
Well, with those ups and downs of roller coasters of, of Madonna's theme song out of the way, we're certainly interested in hearing yours. If you want to hit us up on Twitter at OHMS pod, give us your two cents on how you feel about the Madonna theme song. We interested to listen. I imagine we're going to get a 50, 50 split. <laughs> we'll see with that. Let me just unplug my dream machine here, Alan. I don't sleep. I don't know if you knew that. Let's dive into my three tracks. I thought you were looking a bit pale and a little glint of diamonds in the, on the cheeks there. <laughs> it's just glitter. <laughs> <laughs> I might need Alan's help on this one because, like I said, my CD has different titles for these tracks. My first pick from my bizarre we haven't figured out where it came from to cd set is track seven and it's called the hovercraft chase do you have anything like that on your <laughs> i do but it, i have something with the same title but it's track four okay maybe these two actually match up i will play the hovercraft chase i like this one because i think it's reminiscent of the incredible white knight track from tomorrow never dies this track is exciting it's bombastic and it's full of 007 goodness and I love the return of those staccato horns that are lifted from the From Russia With Love. James Bond is back. You will hear them. Just a fun and exciting track. And I will play that. We'll see what Alan thinks on the other side.
So for me, one of the great things about the Brosnan movies, all four of them, I think all four of them have got really strong pre-credit sequences. Mm-hmm. I like this one as much as the others. I mean, I know the rest of the movie goes downhill at a certain point, and if you listen to the review that Van and I did, you'll know exactly what my view of which exact point in the movie it falls off a cliff. But I actually do really enjoy this hovercraft chase, and I think part of that is the score that goes with it. It's a good, exciting David Arnold score, and I love the little callbacks and the nods to the traditional John Barry stuff interwoven in it as well. Yeah, this one gets a definite thumbs up from me, whether it's track four or track seven, I don't really care. Um, <laughs> I think it's just, it's just a good, a good lead into the movie. Bootleg Jared, I think that's what you're going to start calling me. I, don't, I still don't know where this thing came from. But <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I, I love that track too. It's, it's good Bond stuff, fun to drive to. All right, let's get to my second track. And, oof, man, I was about to say this one might be my favorite track on the whole CD, but I could say that about the last one we listened to and the next one we're going to listen to. <laughs> so, I don't know. I just love this track. On my disc, it's called Emergency Room Escape, and it's track 11. I don't know. Maybe we can figure out what it is on the <laughs> It doesn't exist on my disc. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. It's interesting you say that because I do remember listening to a James Bond radio episode and they got that guy, John Williams, host their music shows. Yeah. yeah. And I think I remember him saying, because he, he liked this track a lot as well. I think I remember him saying it was only available on the two disc version, which I guess I kind of have. Anyway, <laughs> on, my, on my weird CD, it's on disc one. It's track 11. Emergency Room Escape. The buildup has plenty of tension and an ominous mood. I know you like that, Alan. Uh-huh. But the real flavor hits when Bond makes his actual escape, which is at the three minute and 20 second mark of this song. I like it so much. I used a naughty word in my description here. I said, what a kick ass beat with horns. And the weaving in of the Dr. No sound effect is amazing. So you may listen to Emergency Room Escape and you're like, OK, this is kind of typical and ominous sounding, maybe a little berry flavor. But man, when you get to that three minute, 20 second mark, you're going to feel like 007 is back and you should be afraid. So I'm going to roll this one.
I'd never noticed the Doctor No piece. Oh, that's so brilliant. It's so <laughs> I'd brilliant. never noticed it. Again, this is so one of my favorite scenes in the movie. He's escaped from captivity, hospital room, emergency room, whatever you want to call it. I think it's a great scene in the movie. Love the track. She said very kick-ass, weaving in the Bond theme again. But I had never, ever noticed that Doctor No sound effect until I saw you mention it in the script. And I went and listened to the track. And uh, yeah, that's very, very cool. That's the way you do callbacks, subtly, mm. like that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, I just I just want to listen to that track over and over. That's like one of my favorite pieces of Bond music. I just think it's so awesome. So awesome. But I know we got to move the show on. So I'll get to my third track. This was going to sound a little bit different, but I really like where David Arnold went with it. And maybe it's because of my Puerto Rican wife who visits Cuba regularly, and she loves this track. When I have the CD in the car, which I do have my Bond CDs in the car from time to time, she will request this one. She's like, oh, that's the one where he visits Cuba, play the track. So uh, we listen to a lot of uh, Caribbean and Latin music around the house, and David Arnold really nails it here. Going back to his previous comment where he tried to get experimental and producers like no nah, man no nah, just go back <laughs> go back to the source music and boy he brings in a track here that's really quite excellent we'll give that a listen on my cd it's track 16 and it's called ford fairlane drive and on your cd it's called welcome to cuba which is what i've always known it as i mean it, <laughs> it is um, until we realized with mix up with the cds we actually have to say that i'd actually chosen this track as my number one <laughs> yes. my from jared was his titles and i was like i didn't realize it was the same track so we actually <laughs> both picked this this was actually my original number one pick so we inadvertently both picked the same track because we actually didn't realize that he had a screwed up cd listing so <laughs> and i'm putting all the blame on you for this so, i'll uh, take it apparently i got the janky version of somehow <laughs> but either way it's a wonderful track and let's let's give it a listen
to make this more confusing, I think I misspoke and said that was Ford Fairlane Drive when in actuality on my fake CD, <laughs> it's called Streets of Havana Alternate Track. Okay. <laughs> Is that the one that you had? Same no, one, it's I called think? Welcome to Cuba. Uh, but the music was the same, I think. Yeah, it was identical, yeah. Okay. What are your thoughts on David Arnold doing some Latin music? I love it. Um, again, we've talked about it incessantly, but uh, he and Barry have that ability... I think the two Bond composers who really have that ability to use the score to put the audience into a place, into a location, and really help drive it. I mean, by the time sort of this is over, you feel like you're in Cuba with Bond and the stuff that's happening, even though it's actually Spain. <laughs> you know, the location's Spain, but you feel you've got that Cuban riff. You feel, I don't know. Mm-hmm. The music really helps set the mood, set the place. Not many composers can do it consistently well as John Barry and David Arnold, and I think he really nails it here. Absolutely. Great stuff. I'll just say it now as I hand it over to you. You know, Die Another Day is one of the more, I don't know, less popular James Bond movies, I could say, but I will definitely say give it soundtrack another listen because I think it's one of my favorites. I think the soundtrack on this film is really strong. And with that final thought on my tracks, I will hand it to Alan. Well, thank you very much. I guess it's time for a nice iced mojito. And I flick through this big book on the birds of the West Indies as I try to enjoy some of the local attractions and think about some music. But this stupid woman in an orange bikini keeps distracting me. <laughs> and with that, uh, I would have said welcome to Cuba, but somebody's actually already stolen that track. So what the heck? Let's go with my uh, replacement number one pick which, of course, has a completely different name on Jared's CD. So uh, my number one pick is Whiteout. Jared, you said he's called Escape Artist on Ice on your side. Yeah. Yeah, okay. This may score one of the most reviled scenes in the history of the James Bond franchise as it ends up with the CGI tsunami parasurfing idiotic nonsense at the end. But actually, the score that's underlining it is great. For me, it's just under five-minute mix of the choir, synth drums, and the urgency of the score, the use of the Bond theme, it really adds to the tension of the ice drag step escape sequence. To Jared's point, no matter what you feel about this movie, this score is way better than the actual on-screen experience. Okay, so with that, let's have a listen to Whiteout.
What do you answer that one, Jared? Like we keep saying, you can't go wrong on this soundtrack. That's a great tune. It's very exciting. It scores an exciting scene with a climax that many people don't enjoy, truly. But the music is great. I think it's really great that you picked a few tracks that are later in the film. Because we've all kind of talked about how this first half of the movie is pretty good. And I think I cheated and picked all my <laughs> tracks from the first half of the movie. And it's easy to kind of poo-poo the second half like we talked about. But the track Whiteout or Escape Artist on Ice, as <laughs> my janky copy calls it, I think is great. I think it's great. High energy and good stuff. Very good. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I really hate the second half of this movie. Like I said earlier, there's a, for me, there's a certain point about halfway through the movie where it just falls off a cliff and just becomes ridiculous. But the music continues to be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with that, we're, we're actually going to stay in the same area. And I'm actually going to pick what for me is the next track on my CD. Keeping it on the ice, we're going to do Iced Ink, which I believe on yours is called Bond versus Zhao. So, <laughs> And this is the score for the Aston Martin Jaguar chase scene on the ice. And I really think it's underscored by a driving synth beat. Uh, see what I did there? Driving scene, driving synth beat. <laughs> And some cool brass moments, I think, that really uh, build attention. And again, it's got a, a nice shout out to the intro of the classic Bond theme here and there. Again, Arnold doing some great callbacks while pushing the envelope as well. Let's have a listen to an Aston versus a Jaguar on the ice.
Uh, thoughts on that one, Jared? I think that's another great example. High energy, high action, very bondy. Love that bold brass. I can see why you picked it. That bold brass is just icing on the cake. Awesome, awesome track, Alan. Good pick. Okay, well, you mentioned about me picking tracks from the second half of the movie. So for my third track, I'm picking something that isn't on the, in the movie at all. Uh, <laughs> You're doing that a lot lately, I don't Which I've been doing a lot lately, yeah. So once again, I'm picking something from the soundtrack, the official soundtrack CD that isn't in the movie. It's the James Bond theme, brackets Bond versus Oakenfeld, and I had to actually look this up, but Oakenfeld refers to Paul Oakenfeld, who is an English record producer and uh, trans DJ, apparently, three-time Grammy Award and two-time World Music Award nominee and voted the number one DJ in the world twice, two years running in 1998 and 1999. And I've never heard of him, but I had to go look it up. But basically, he's done pretty much what they did earlier with Moby and done a uh, modern remix of the Bond theme. I don't think this is as good as the Moby remix, but I still think it's a good, fun take on the Bond theme. And I think it seems to be a good way to sort of bookend and sign off the Brosnan era. era. We started off with the Moby mix. I think sort of signing out with the Oakenfold mix is pretty cool. So uh, let's take a listen to Paul Oakenfold's mix of the James Bond theme. Or as it's known on my CD, trailer music. (laughs) (laughs) It's very descriptive. Yeah.
So what are you into that, Jared? Oh, man, that's a ton of fun. I think I know Paul Oakenfold from a song called Starry-Eyed Surprise. That's how I know him. I think there was a song in the early 2000s called Starry-Eyed Surprise. It's pretty good. But man, this song is, like you said, what a great bookend for the Brosnan era to get another remix in the vein of Moby, but they sound totally different to me. And I really dig Oakenfold's take on it. So a really cool song. Yeah, thank you. So I'm actually going to sneak in my own bonus track here. I know it's Jared's lead and he has the bonus track. And he's, why, he's shaking why are you his, doing this? Why are you doing he's, this? <laughs> he's shaking his head here, but we have to talk about this. So do you want to play a snippet and then we'll talk about it? If I have to. Yes, you have to. All right, here's a snippet. I love The Clash's London Calling. I think it's an awesome song. It's one of my all-time favorite songs. But what the hell were they doing using it as source music in a Bond movie? I mean, as if this movie hadn't thrown me out enough already. And I know this was before my drop-off point, but this just threw me completely out of the movie. Um, I'd often wondered why it was in there, but when we were doing the research, and Jared mentioned earlier that Lee Tamahori had some input into the song, it also made me wonder if this was one of his equally awesome ideas that he wanted to get put into the movie because there's nothing wrong with using source music they've used it in bond a lot over the years you know right from dr no all the way through but this was so on the nose it's not like it was playing you know on somebody's headset or something on the plane it was just in your face and so obvious so i'll get off my soapbox on that one and i know jared has some thoughts around this so over to you jared all right, I'll start by saying I would rather listen to the not Beach Boys do California Girls and <laughs> kill a hundred times for to listen to this one again. Okay, I guess I have a unique take on this because The Clash, I know of The Clash, but they've never been anything I've really listened to. I didn't avoid them. It's like I don't it's not like I don't like them or anything like that. I just I just a blind spot in music for me. And so when I first saw this movie, I didn't even know this was a Clash song. To me, it was just a really annoying song. <laughs> and I was like, I hate this. I And I couldn't put my finger on why I hate it. Like, I'm a pretty easygoing guy. I try to find the positive in a lot of things. But I'm like, this, I just do not like it. And I think Alan kind of helped me with that when I heard you do the review with, with Van. You said it throws you way out of the movie. And I guess that's what I was feeling. Because I was just like, I just don't like this. And then I come to find that it's kind of a classic Clash song, which I didn't know. So now I have real conflicted feelings about it because I'm like, okay, I don't want to poo-poo on Clash fans because there's a lot of them and I get it and they're a really cool band and all that. But I just, this was like my first exposure, so it was not a good first impression. I don't know. I just don't like it. I don't like it when it shows up in the movie. It annoys the heck out of me. I'd rather listen to the slide whistle as the car, you know, does a 360 in the air. It just grates my nerves in a weird way. It's just one of those things that hits me in a weird way. I get you. I break the slide whistle and the English Beach Boys cover band above this in terms of annoying, nonsensical Bond musical moments. But I totally, totally understand. And if this was your first experience of that song, yeah, I'm sorry. 
Yeah, I think that it probably is what annoyed me more. I guess if I'd known about The Clash, it wouldn't have annoyed me as much because I thought this was a song they recorded for that scene. I guess my brain was saying this to me. It was like, you've got this amazing score going on. Why is this here? What is its purpose? Now that I've learned it's a Clash song, okay, but I still, it throws me off. And there are so many movies where it gets used when somebody's going to London or they're opening a scene in London. I, it's I just... am starting to notice that more and more. Yeah. So, all right. Having hijacked Jared's uh, bonus track se- session, I will hand it back to him for his pick of a bonus track. All right. You had to put me through that torture. That's all right. Still blows my mind that the Beach Boys song wasn't even the Beach Boys. You were the first person to point that out to me. <laughs> it makes it so weird. Anyways, enough about the songs that bother us. Let's get into something that we like. In this case, I was in charge of picking our official bonus track for this episode. And I went with a little track called Die Another Day. Surprise, surprise. But this one is by a group called The Pixels. This one has a rock and guitar add-on to it that I think brings a new sound to it for some reason it made me think this might be what the song sounded like if it was done by blondie i feel like it has a blondie vibe to it and i know alan's a big blondie fan so i might have set it at the bar too high um, <laughs> we'll give it a listen and we'll see what he thinks
Did I go too far with the Blondie comparison? No, I, I see where you were coming from on that. Yeah, I actually remember it is actually one of the ones I put into the playlist. So I heard it relatively recently. So that's why it was ringing a bell. <laughs> I see where you're coming from with the Blondie thing uh, with her voice. And yeah, I, I liked it. It was good. Yeah. Yeah, kind of a almost a 70s rock vibe flavor yeah. to it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was a nice version. Yeah. Like I said, and this is probably a good segue into it, but when I was pulling together the playlist of covers for YouTube, I got a more of an appreciation for the underlying structure of the song with the various versions. And this was one of the ones that made me think, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. I put together the playlist of covers on YouTube, as usual, this month. You can find it by searching for Bomb Music, Six of the Best, or you can find it from the links we'll put in the show notes. There's some interesting ones this time. There's some orchestral covers, a piano solo. One of my favorites is an anime singer who sounds like he's a reject from Alvin and the Chipmunks. That's a really fun version. There's a, uh, a Thai disco dance troupe version. And actually, one of my all-time favorites is actually a Ukrainian choral version, which I sent to Jared. Uh, and he, <laughs> what was your what was your reaction to that one, Jared? I, I, when you first sent me the link, I was like, I don't believe this is real. I'm not going to click on it. <laughs> I listened to it. I was like, oh my goodness, you find the craziest that you just used the phrase Ukrainian choral version, Thai disco dance troupe, and Alvin the Chipmunks reject in one paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> How do you do it? That's how I spend my lunch times. So <laughs> this is what he does for you people out there. So be sure to go go to the YouTube's and check out our six of the best on yeah. this one. So and all yeah. the ones Alan does this for. Yeah. So this list has got everything except Madonna. So. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. She could have been in that Thai disco dance. She could have been in the Thai disco. Group, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, with Alan making me laugh as he always does. That will bring us to the end of this episode of Bond Music, Six of the Best. If you've got a question or comment, email us at ohmspod at outlook.com or comment on Twitter at ohmspod. And don't forget to subscribe to Honor Majesty's Secret Podcast, the number five James Bond podcast in the world, by some people's measure. But you can do that on your favorite podcast platform. And we'd love it if you leave a rating and a review. That's awesome. We got a great review. Not too long ago, we read it on the show. We'll be happy to read yours on the show as well. And if you want to chat with us personally on social media, I can be found at Yard Sale Artists. That's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Alan? You can find me for Bond stuff on Twitter at Bond Lexicon and on Tumblr and Instagram at James Bond Lexicon. And you can email me at Alan at JamesBondLexicon.com if you want to use the old emails. And over at the JamesBondLexicon.online website, you can check out our 007 missions sections, which covers all the movies with Plot summaries and links to the related OHMS pod, movie reviews, rookie agents, as well as the soundtrack review shows. Again, that's jamesbondlexicon.online. And as always, we'd like to pass the baton to our White Rocket founder and OHMS co-host that we've mentioned a couple of times already in this episode, Van Allen Plexico, to thank our generous patrons who support all our White Rocket endeavors and without whom these shows would not be possible. So just go to www.plexico.net, P-L-E-X-I-C-O.net, or you can just go to patreon.com and search for White Rocket and join up. And it's for as little as a dollar a month, you get to be part of the show. And we send out, we, I post things occasionally on the Patreon page of interest, and you get previews, you get special deals, special offers, 
and discounts on things that we do, and you sometimes get shows before the uh, the regular audience does. Here are the fine folks who are currently keeping our programs on the air that we owe everything to. Samuel Salvatore and Bart Lindsay, uh, Bradley Blackman, Brian Gray, Chris Usher, Gary Grant, Logan Chilton, Phil Amthor, Richard Stevens, Steve Trawick, Susan Trawick, Tom Anderson, Willie Carden, and Kandian. A.U. Falling Up, Ben Bloodsworth, Clay Henson, Dan Thompson, Daniel Odom, David Evers, David Hegler, Emmanuel Seaman, George Gaston, Jacob and Robin Fleming, James Greenwell, Joel Beckham, John Otsuki, Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Mickey B, Phil Davis, Preston Settle, Reynolds Wolf, Rich Reimer, Steve Harlan, Timothy, WDE Richie, Wes Atkinson, William Morgan, Wilson Beard, Winston Body, Alex Nguyen, Blake Heron, Boris the Tiger, Cato the Barner, Chris Hilton, Chris Thrash, Colby Butler, Danny Flack, Plus, Darius Benton, David Simpson, Di Bama, Earl Ricks, Eric Mahan, Hugh Anderson, Josh Teal, Kevin Kenoy, Kevin Mahan, Lane Middleton, Mike Finley, Papa Todd, Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Ross, Russell Milling, Shannon Butson, Sarah Hines, Shane Bailey, Snowdog, Stephen Houston, Tim Pittman, Todd Gray, Tony Perry, Auburn Elvis, Ben Amos, Brandon Sisson, Brandon Smith, Chris Camo, Darren Pyle, David Smiley, Don, Donnie Reynolds, Plus, Ivor Evans, James Taylor, Jason Albrick, John Stubbs, John Zavachin, Joey Miller, Joseph Eiliff, Justin Bean, Lawrence Kane, Mark Squire, Matthew Flowers, Mick Vigicana, Nicholas Craig, Patrick Williams, Paul Bankson, Robert Drain, Robert O. Sammons, Russell Souther, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, that's the truth, Ruth, Spanky, Stephen Thompson, Trevor Johnson, Kenneth Brent Rains, Brant Rumble, and Chris Plus, our one-time and anonymous donors, we thank you all so much. Go to www.plexico.net or just go to www.patreon.com and sign up and join the family. Thanks for joining us for this episode. This episode's tracks are from the original 2002 Diana the Day soundtrack CD, although Jared's Seems a little sketchy and a little suspect. So (laughs) just to prove the point, as always, we'd like you to remind you to, Jared, legally purchase your Bond music via official download channels or via CD or vinyl. Please support the Bond creative community. We will be back with six of the best as we transition to the Daniel Craig era with the music from Casino Royale. Yarr, I be a pirate. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where the hell this thing is from, man. (laughs)
They brought in French composer. You might have to help me out on this one, Alan. Is it Michel Colombier? Close enough for government work. Okay, I'm looking to you for help. I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. That was good. <laughs> All right. The use of the Bond theme, it really adds to the tension of the ice drag set. Dry, I love it. Adds to the tension of the ice drag step escape sequence. And by the way, that is not easy to say, as the outtakes will probably prove. Um, <laughs> you wrote but, yourself uh, into a corner on that one. <laughs> I did, didn't I? You're on mute. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> that was very passionate. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it was a very impassioned speech there, Jared. <laughs> if I'm right on that, I'll play you a snippet now. If not, this will be in the outtakes. <laughs> so thank you for joining us for this episode. This episode's tracks were supposedly from the original 20... I'm going to redo that again. Go ahead. Just keep going. Just keep going. <laughs> you, you laughing through me. All right, I'll put myself on mute. <laughs> it wasn't hearing you. It was seeing you. Um... I just saw the note in parentheses and it cracked me up. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> this has to, <laughs> I can't do it now. <sighs> Thanks for joining us for this episode. This episode's <laughs> <laughs> plenty of outtake real. <laughs> Cup of tea, hang on. <laughs> I've got a course on this again. <laughs>